Welcome, and thank you for joining us here at GlendaleCC.org or at our new Glendale Christian Podcast located on iTunes for part six of our sermon series on the book of Daniel. This is the final part of our Daniel sermon series, and we conclude by once again asking the question, how we remain faithful in a faithless world. Join us this week as Senior Minister Jeff Gaines takes us through Daniel chapter six. Good morning. It's so good to see all of you. I want to welcome you. And uh, just let you know, no matter how you come into this room today, this is a safe place to be you and learn what it means to love and follow Jesus. We're in Daniel chapter 6. You can turn there in the Bible in front of you. The words are also going to be on the screen. And we're going to jump right into it. Uh, Daniel 6, uh, verse 1 and 2 says this. It pleased Darius. Now, let's pause there for a second. Uh, Darius, we've been talking about the uh, Babylonian Empire. But last week, we, we talked about how the Persians came in, and they conquered the Babylonians, and Darius is the king of the Persians. So the king uh, decided to appoint 120 satraps. Now, when we read that, we just need to think of, like, governors. You know how every state has a governor, so the United States has 50 governors, okay? So 120 governors to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators. Uh, now, an administrator would basically serve as if, as if they were a president. We're talking about a world empire, so this is a lot of people. And one of the presidents, one of the administrators, turns out to be Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. So the king delegated all of his responsibilities to these presidents. And all that to say this, Daniel had a whole lot of power and responsibility. This was a privileged position. Now, when you, when you think about it, this is kind of an underdog story because Daniel really, from the get-go, he had every reason to give up. Every reason. You look back at the beginning of this story. Daniel's a 16-year-old boy. He's living in Jerusalem. There's, there's these walls that protect his city. Right outside the, the city walls, there's this Babylonian empire. And it's just a matter of time before they bust through the walls. Um, and once they bust through those walls, they come house to house knocking on people's doors. And they're looking for young men like Daniel that they're going to rip from Jerusalem and take these men to this city called Babylon where they're going to train them to be Babylonians. Daniel is ripped from his home. I'm sure his mom, his dad, holding on to him for dear life, ripped from their hands and taken to this foreign land to serve a foreign king. Can you imagine how traumatic that would be? Wouldn't that be enough for you just for the rest of your life? You're carrying that on your shoulder. And just at any point, just like, well, what's the point? Why even keep trying? And then evidence suggests that as soon as this guy got to Babylon, the first thing that they did, 16-year-old boy, is they castrated him. That's what evidence suggests. This is a guy has every reason throughout his whole life just to give up just to to quit, to not try. I mean, what's the point? There's this huge empire. They're going to do with me whatever they want. I'm not going to make a difference. I can't get ahead here. I'm a slave here. They're forcing me to do everything that they want me to do. Why even try? Maybe that's how you feel today. You know, and, and you do everything that you know to do, but it never works out. And it just seems like it's one disappointment, one discouragement, one roadblock, one obstacle after another. Maybe you look back at your history and just think, well, things just aren't fair. 
you know, and these things that have happened to me, they were totally outside of my control, and they've taken me to this place that I don't want to be. What's the point? Why try? Daniel had every reason to give up, but he didn't. Verse 3. Verse 3. Um, now Daniel so distinguished himself, not because he was always sad, not because he was always discouraged, not because he gave up, not because he's some sad sob story. He didn't distinguish himself in that way. He distinguished himself among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities. So exceptional that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Daniel had every reason to give up, but instead he kept pushing. And he didn't just do it halfway, he was all in. Gave it everything that he had. Even in the midst of difficult situations, he distinguished himself by living an excellent life by his exceptional qualities. All that to say this. God is calling you to live a life of excellence. He's calling you to live a life of excellence. And maybe you're here today and you've got all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't even try that. Why that's not possible for you. Daniel had every reason to give up, but he lived a life of excellence. He excelled. He was promoted, and then he came to the season of persecution. Because every time you ascend, you're going to meet adversity. You get promoted at your work, there's going to be people that aren't happy for you. Things go well for you at school, maybe you get a part in a play. Tim was talking about theater earlier. You get a part in a play, there's going to be people that aren't happy for you. You do well in, in a competition or sport, there's going to be people that aren't happy for you. Because every time you ascend to another level, there's adversity. Daniel excelled, he was promoted, and then he, he met persecution. Let's look at this, uh, verse 4. At this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. He's got haters, and they're trying to bring him down. Because... Um, every time you reach another level, you got people looking up to you and they're, they're thinking, I wish I was there, but I don't know how they got there. And the easiest thing they can do is not climb to where you are, but try and pull you down. And that's what Daniel's experiencing this next part of verse four. Keep going. Okay, there we go. They could not, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Daniel had every reason to give up. He also had every reason to complain. Every reason to be cantankerous. Every reason to show content. contempt. Um, you see, he could look back on every stage in his life and say, well, that just wasn't fair. You know, um, I, I'm ripped from my home. I'm taken to this place. Now I'm serving. I've got the worst job in the world. Daniel's job for 70 years is he would go in and he'd tell the king bad news. That was his job. Like, he would go in, he'd say, King, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but you're going to be insane for the next seven years. How'd you like to be that employee, going to that boss? You know, we, we think we got a bad job. Well, how would you like to go into work every day and not be sure if, the, if your boss was going to literally kill you or not? That's what Daniel faced, 70 years, delivering bad news, not sure what the consequences are going to be. It's hard. He had every reason to complain. Look at how these Babylonians are living. I'm not making a difference. God, why do you have me planted here? 
had every reason to complain, but instead, he was consistent. They said there was no charges found in his conduct, especially when it came to his professional conduct, his career. For 70 years, he was consistent. Didn't complain, consistent. I've got all sorts of adversaries. It's unfair. Here I am. And, and you've got these, these haters that are coming up after him, and they're digging. They're trying to find some kind of dirt on Daniel, and they can't find anything. He's consistent. He's consistent. They, they say, well, let me look in, look in Daniel's emails. Maybe there's some, some stuff there he shouldn't be looking at at work. Maybe let's look at his timesheets. Maybe he fudged some of his time. Let's look at his expense reports. Look at, let's look at his phone records. You know, we've, we all come to these seasons in our life that it's, it's easy to kind of slip up in your consistency. It's easy to kind of get to this place where you're doing things you know you shouldn't be doing because it's just a shortcut. They couldn't find any of that in Daniel. He was consistent. They also said of Daniel, there's no corruption in him. He's trustworthy. And he had every reason to be crooked, right? He could have said, well, the Babylonians have taken everything from me, so I'm just going to take a little bit off the top here. I'll, I'll dip into the treasury when nobody's looking. And no corruption in Daniel. Totally trustworthy. He had character. That means he did the right thing even when nobody was watching. You want to look at my text messages? That's fine. You want to look at my internet history? That's fine. You want to talk to my friends? That's fine. You want to see my tax records? That's fine. Daniel had nothing to hide. A man of character. And then on top of all that, he was a man of conviction. Verse 5 says this. Finally, these men said, well, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. Think about that for a second. Could, could people say that of you? Like, we can't even find anything to nitpick this person about. We've looked through everything. We've flipped every rock. We've looked in every corner of the house. We looked in every part of his office. We looked in all of his computer. We looked in all of his business. We talked to all of his friends. There is no dirt on this guy whatsoever. Could you imagine living that way? They said, this is the only thing we can find against Daniel. Can't find any charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. They said, the only way we're going to trip this guy up is by attacking his faith. And this is what they knew. They knew Daniel was, had such conviction, had such committed, confident faith in the Lord that he would never compromise his faith. They knew that about Daniel. Now, I say that, and it's kind of amazing when you think about it. Because Daniel had every reason to look at God and say, I'm mad at you. I'm mad at you, God. Had every reason to do that. Been ripped from his home, ripped from his family, manhood taken away, put in this terrible position. Here he is now, he's up in his 80s, maybe even 90 years old, the Persians come in. I just got comfortable with the Babylonians, God. I'm just trying to make headway here. And now you're changing everything again? This isn't fair. I'm doing all the right things, and I'm not getting rewarded, God. It, he would have every reason to be angry with God. And now he's got these people that have come against him, more adversaries, and they've got this plan where they're going to go to the king, and they say, King, let's make this, this, um, this decree, this law. For the next 30 days, people are only allowed to pray to you. They can't pray to any other God. And so Daniel's faced with another challenge, more adversity, but he doesn't compromise his faith. Now, you put all these things together, and you just think about this for yourself practically. 
How hard would it be to have consistency and character and conviction for 70 years? Not slip up, not one time. That's amazing, isn't it? And so maybe you would leave from here today and think, well, okay, the point of the message was Jeff encouraging us to try harder in our consistency. And, and, and us be a person that we're always the same, whether it's Sunday or Monday or Friday or Saturday, whatever day, whoever we're surrounded by. That's what Jeff's saying. Try harder in your consistency. Even when it's easy to do the wrong things, you do the right things. Or maybe Jeff's saying, try harder when it comes to character. You know, really just do the right thing even when nobody's watching. I'm going to really focus on that tomorrow. Maybe that's what you think. Or maybe you leave here saying, well, Jeff's saying that we need to have more conviction. We need to believe God so much that there's no compromise in our faith. And if you leave here and you use that as action steps, I'm going to tell you it's going to fail. You'll fail. If, if that's your, you go out of here and say, I'm going to will myself to have more consistency and more character and more conviction, you're going to fall short. And you know this because you've tried it before, haven't you? you? You heard a sermon or you heard a song or, or you watched a movie and it inspired you and you're like, okay, tomorrow's the day. That's when I'm going to start. And then you started in that day. You said, today I'm going to live exceptionally. And what happened? You woke up, you had a crick in your neck. The coffee machine didn't work. And for some of you, coffee not working, hey, just cancel this day. I'm going back to bed. You got in your car. You, went to, you tried to go to work. You got a flat tire on the way to work. Then you got to work. Your boss chews you because you're late. The most annoying person in the office comes to you. They got something snarky to say. Your whole day, just like one thing after another. Because when you try to live exceptionally, the enemy attacks. When you try to live exceptionally, Many times you're faced with the lion's den, and the only way you're going to maintain that life of excellence is something miraculous has to happen. So consistency and character and conviction, those aren't, those aren't action steps. That's a destination. That's not the, co- that's not the, uh, the cause. It's, it's, the, it's, it's, not the, it's the cause, it's not the effect. All that to say this, there's something else you got to do, and it's your character, your consistency, your conviction, it starts in a very simple place, and this is something that we can all do. Verse 10, now Daniel, when he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Um, So... Here's the thing. If you want to live an exceptionally godly life, you want to be a person that's consistent, you want to have character, you want to be a person of conviction. It doesn't start with you making a decision to do that. It starts with an exceptional prayer life. So today, this is what I want to encourage you with as we're kind of closing down today. I want to encourage you to develop an exceptional prayer life. And I want to give you three things that we can all do, and this is so practical and you apply this to your life, it's going to make a huge difference. Here's the first thing. I would encourage you today to prioritize prayer. Prioritize prayer. Uh, Daniel, it says, when he had learned of the decree. So once he realized, my prayer life's going to cost me something. Once he realized that if I prayed to God, it might kill me. Once he had learned of the decree, he went and prayed. Now, this is what Daniel's saying in that moment with that action. He's saying, prayer is more important than life. Prayer is more important. If it costs me my life to pray, it's worth it to pray. He's prioritized his prayer. Now, this is what you would say. 
some of you would say, I just, I don't really have time to pray. And you might open up your, your daily planner, your calendar, and you say, well, because, you know, I wake up at this time, and I got to get the kids ready, and then we go to school, and I got to work all day. I got emails, and I got phone calls, and I got meetings, and I got all these projects I got to get done. And then as soon as I get out of work, then I got to pick the kids up from the daycare, and then we got to run to practice, and we got to do homework, and we got to eat dinner, and then I got to put them to bed. And so I don't, I can't afford 10 minutes here. I can't afford 10 minutes there to pray. And where we say, I can't afford to pray, Daniel will say, I can't afford not to pray. It's that important to me. And this is coming from a guy who's the president of an empire. And I know we're all busy. I know we've all got super hectic schedules. I realize that. But there's no way you're busier than Daniel. And Daniel said, prayer is so important to me, I got to do it at least three times a day. I got to prioritize my prayer life. So coming from a, a guy who excelled in every difficult situation, he prospered. He didn't just survive Babylon, he thrived in Babylon. Coming from this guy, this is what he would say. Prayer is not a waste of your time. It's a worthwhile investment, and it's going to result in an exceptional life. Prioritize prayer. Make it something that is so important in your life. Here's the next thing I would encourage you with. Make a plan for prayer. Make a plan for prayer. Um, Daniel says, prayer is so important to me, I got to do it. And so this is what he did. He planned his prayer. He said, I'm going to, he planned his place of prayer. He planned his time of prayer. He planned his posture of prayer. He says, three times a day, I'm going to go up to my room and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to pray. Planned it out. Now, why is that important? Because we're all creatures of habit. How many of you, you brush your teeth as part of your morning routine? Okay. Some of you, we need to keep a distance because you got smelly breath right now. Now, what happens if you get out of your morning routine? I'll, I'll tell you what happens with me. Like, if I go on vacation and I get up later, and I usually do, um, and for some reason my morning routine gets out of whack, I always forget to brush my teeth. And I'll go a whole day without brushing my teeth because I didn't do it as part of my morning routine because we're creatures of habit. So the rest of the day I'm walking around like this. Anybody got a mint, tic-tac, gum, anything? Because we're creatures of habit. All that to say this. If you don't plan your prayers, you won't pray. You just won't. You'll forget about it. And then the end of the day will come and you'll say, well, I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to pray every day, so let's throw this on top at the end of the day and you'll pray a sleepy prayer and, and about midway through you'll fall asleep. That's what will happen if you don't plan it out. That's what I encourage you to do. Make a plan for your prayer. Do it today. Say, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at this time and I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to pray over these things. Make a plan of it. I know people, they put their, uh, an alarm on their phone, and every time their alarm goes off, they pray. And then on their phone, they've got a list of things that they pray for, and they just pray through that list of things. It's a great strategy. Make a plan for it. Last thing, be persistent in prayer. Be persistent in prayer. Daniel, it says, uh, in verse 10, it says, he prayed just as he had done before. Daniel didn't wait for him to get into this really bad situation in his life to start praying. And that's what a lot of us do, isn't it? We only pray when we need something from God. We only really seek God. We only really get on our hands and knees and, and cry out to God when we're in need of Him. Now, I'm not speaking against that. 
I think God wants to be for us and with us in those moments. The Bible says of God, He's an ever-present help in time of need. So that's, that's good. But if that's the only time you seek God, you're missing the point of prayer. Because prayer really isn't about changing God's actions or attitudes towards our situation. It's not about that. Instead, prayer is really about changing us. Unfortunately, this is what a lot of us do. We pray in a mirror. And we say, God... Can't you see all the stuff that's wrong with my life? Can't you see, like, how I'm struggling right now? Can't you see how all these people are standing against me, God? Can't you see all these challenges? I need you to fix me. And so this is what we do. We pray, looking into a mirror. But verse 10 says of Daniel that when he prayed, he faced towards Jerusalem. Now, that's important, and it's easy to brush over. But then you cross-reference that with some other scriptures and you, and you learn that what that means is that Daniel focused his attention on God. That's the point of that. He focused his attention on God. So what that means is he put the mirror down. Put the mirror down and he said, God, during this time of prayer, I'm not going to focus on me. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on the fact that you're a good God and you got a good plan and you're big enough to carry it out. So Lord, help me to see things the way you see them. And so through praying that way, this is what Daniel starts to pray. Instead of praying, Lord, change my situation, change my circumstances, he's praying, Lord, change me. Lord, I'm I'm not asking you to keep me from the lion's den. If you want me to go in the lion's den, I'll go in the lion's den. This is what I'm asking for. Give me courage as I face the lion's den. Because the point of prayer isn't that we change God. God is, he doesn't change. He doesn't need to be changed. He's perfect. All his ways are perfect. All his plans are perfect. Prayer, the point of prayer is to change us. It's to empower us. So Daniel was able to faithfully stand in the face of this lion's den because he prayed. He broke the law. That's the punishment. And he was able to be faithful in that time because he was faithful in prayer. Otherwise, otherwise, Daniel would came to the lion's den and said, God, listen, let's, let's have a talk, okay? For the next 30 days, if I pray, they're going to kill me. So, I know you're a very understanding God. And you'll understand that for the next 30 days, we don't talk. You'll understand that because I'm better for you. I'm a better instrument for you if I'm alive as opposed to if I'm dead. So you get it, right, God? And that's that's what we'd be tempted to do, is to to pull back from God when, when it's not as convenient. That's why we got to be persistent in prayer, just as he had done before. So Daniel lived a life of excellence. He was empowered by his prayer life, and that's what I want to encourage you to do. And you know how he got paid off? You know what his, his payment was for all that? He got thrown in the lion's den. Isn't that great? And many times that's kind of how life happens, isn't it? And you're doing everything right. And it seems like everything's going wrong. And so you get to these seasons and then you ask, well, what was the point? God, I'm doing everything right and, and, and everything's going wrong. Here I am in the lion's den. So what's the point of the consistency? What's the point of the character? What's the point of the conviction? What's the point of the prayer? If this is where I'm going to end up. Verses 24 and 25. Let's read this together. 25, I'm sorry. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. What happened? Daniel went and he spent the night in the lion's den. And 
he says after the fact that angels came and they closed the mouth of the lions to where he, they, they didn't bother Daniel. He, in the morning, he came out of this den and he didn't have a scratch on him. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let me ask you something. Do you think your prayers would have kept the mouth of that lion shut? Do you? Because this is, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that persistence in prayer is important. I'm thinking that us making a plan for prayer and not just like, oh, I'll just pray whatever. I think that's important. I think prioritizing prayer and saying prayer is more important than life, I think that's important. Daniel did those things, and so when he prayed, stuff happened. When he prayed, stuff happened. Okay, so Daniel comes out of the lion's den. They roll the rock away. There's not a scratch on him. And the king is so blown away, he says, I got to write an email to the rest of the country. I got to write a memo. I got to put this news out there of what's happened. So verse 25, this is the beginning of that memo. May you prosper greatly. Verse 26, I issue a decree. I'm going to make a new law. The old law was you don't pray to anybody else. I'm changing course. This is a, this is a 180 degree turn. I issue a decree that every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. This is a specific God. He has a, he has a name. This is the only living God, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. I know, listen, I know what it was like as a 16-year-old. I know you felt like God had abandoned you, but you stuck with him, because he's a living God, and he endures forever, and his kingdom will not be destroyed I know it was crazy when Jerusalem was destroyed. I know that, Daniel, but you stuck with me because my kingdom endures forever. Even when the earth, even when the stuff that's happening on this planet isn't good, I'm still good, and my dominion will never end. So Darius writes this letter, and then he says this, verse 27. Speaking of God, he rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lion's den. Darius was transformed by the experiences of Daniel, by the exceptional life of Daniel, by God saving Daniel from the lion's den. All that to say this. Our world's broken. Can we agree on that? It's broken. And we're living in a faithless world. That's clear. You watch the news, people don't have faith. Less and less people have faith in a living God, a God whose kingdom endures forever. So here we are. Now there's a solution to our faithless world because this is what's going to happen. As our world becomes more faithless, people are going to have less joy, aren't they? They're going to have less hope, aren't they? They're going to have less peace because God is the source of those things. So... There's a solution. God has an answer to that. You know what the solution is? It's you. You're the answer to the world's problems. And God doesn't have a backup plan. It's you. It's the church. It's the people in the church. It's it's people who, who claim to have a relationship with the living God. You are the answer to the world's problems. And this is God's plan. Your, God's plan is for you 
to distinguish, distinguish yourself in such a way through your exceptional qualities that other people see you and they have to say, only God can do that. That you go to work tomorrow and you live with such exceptional qualities that everybody in your office notices there's something different about you. That you go to school tomorrow and you live with such exceptional qualities, you distinguish yourself above all the other students or all the other athletes or all the other people that you hang out with, and they say there's something different about you. And maybe some of you, you've been through like terrible, terrible times, and people are going to look at you as you crawl out of that lion's den unscathed, and they're going to say you had every reason to give up. You had every reason to complain. But here you are, full of joy and full of hope and full of peace. How did that happen? And this is what you'll say. There's a living God whose kingdom endures forever, and he's empowered me to live this way. My prayer for you is that you'll tap into that power. The action steps is not try harder. The action steps is to draw near to Jesus, and you do that through prayer. So, as we close, pray with me. Father, we, uh, we're grateful, Lord, for your word, and we trust your word, Lord. Your word is what transforms us. Lord, I trust your word. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts exactly what we need to hear in this moment. Help us to respond accordingly to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I want to thank you so much for being here, and uh, I just hope you're encouraged today. I know that we all have our struggles, but I really honestly believe that God empowers us to overcome that and not just survive. Daniel didn't just survive in Babylon. He thrived, and God wants you to thrive in this faithless world, and as you thrive, as you climb, as you ascend, you're going to have your adversaries. You're going to have troubles. Prayer, it doesn't protect us from persecution. It doesn't protect us from problems. It empowers us to overcome it. And as we overcome it, we point to Jesus. We point to Jesus. So my prayer is that that's what you'll do this week. As you leave from here, go loving and following Jesus to the best of your ability. And when you do that, he'll bless you. Thanks for being here. Love you guys.